Hello! Welcome to Let's Catch Up. This bi-weekly thing is great. I have to tell you guys, like, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. But I do always feel like I should be like, I've missed you guys. And it's only really been two weeks, but it always feels so long. Anyway, goodness. People, people, people. The news is just pouring out, isn't it? Little tidbits, you know, not a full story anywhere to be found. But we got a new Paramore single that speaks deeply to my seasonal depression this week. Aaron Judge tied the AL record for home runs. All rise. Brett Favre continues to be a scumbag. And if you've donated to his foundation recently, I would recommend getting yourself a refund. Jonathan Majors is going to be playing Dennis Rodman in an upcoming film. Apparently, Chloe and Tristan were engaged at some point in 2021, but thank God she got those ducks in a row. Speaking of the crew, Kanye West has started a school and we're going to discuss. We're also going to talk about the Netflix movie Blonde. For the record, I have not seen it, but I am going to discuss it, which, you know, it's my place in life. We're going to talk about the Time 100 Next list as well as these wife guys, ladies, straight ladies. (laughs) We got to get into it. We're also going to talk about some rom-coms and some returning television. I know we talked about all the new fall TV and I'm very excited and some of that is coming, but I do want to just do a quick refresher on anything that we are attached to that is trickling back into our lives. Um, I feel like, you know, Abbott came back, but we're going to talk about some others that are back um, to bring us joy. Um, obviously if you are someone or you have family or friends who have been in the path of Hurricane Ian, like thoughts and prayers, not in a hyperbolic Senator after a mass shooting way, but in a genuine way. Um, I've seen a lot of footage on the crazy thing about TikTok, right? Like We have for years just seen weathermen, you know, standing, Jim Cantori standing in the middle of a street and being blown over. But TikTok is bringing us this like live real time footage of people standing in their homes as they flood, as they decide whether or not to evacuate, as they, you know, prop up their furniture or things like that. And it's absolutely wild to see. So um, we're hoping and praying that people continue to be safe in the path of Ian as it turns into a tropical storm, as it continues to be a hurricane, whatever it is by the time it gets to you, because it really is going to affect all of us on the East Coast, um, that everyone is safe and that, you know, damage to a home is never a good thing, but um, you can replace the shutters, you can replace the pool, right? But you can't replace um, a person. So genuine, genuine fingers crossed and all those things. It feels very like silly. I feel like I'm every like ESPN reporter this past week who's like, it doesn't matter, but is Tampa Bay playing in Tampa this week? And I know that they feel dumb talking about it, but it's their job and it's not even my job. And I feel silly. Um, not trying to be flippant about it at all. It's very scary. Um, shout out to the people that are hiding or not hiding, but like taking refuge in Disney World. That is so crazy to me. I saw a TikTok of a woman who was like, we're here, we're safe. Oh, look, there's characters. Can you imagine going to work that day and having to dress up as goofy while people are like looking at their ring cameras, trying to make sure that their front porch is still attached? It's good for the children. Gotta be insane for the adults. On that note, let's catch up. 
Okay, let's start with Donda Academy, um, for better or for worse. Uh, Kanye West has opened up a school. His mother did not know all of these things were going to be named after her. I can promise you that. This is a private school, unsurprisingly, and Christian, Lord help us. Um, bizarrely, he has suggested that his own children split time between their current school and his school, which, thank God, Kimberly did not give in to that. But I do think it's funny that he was like, I'm not going to get them fully away from their school. So maybe they can just come here on, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, and or Tuesday, Thursday, and every other Friday. Anyway, Connie does have a plan to open up campuses across the country, at least that's what he's saying, and the parents do have to sign an NDA, so that seems totally normal. Everyone that works there has had to sign some sort of, you know, informal contract is what's being, what it's being called, but it's an NDA, as well as the parents. The schedule for the kids includes full school worship, language arts, math, science, lunch, and recess, and then enrichment courses like world language, visual arts, Film, choir, okay, sounds normal. And what's the last thing here? Ah, yes, the classic middle school elective parkour. The school is obviously not accredited. The teachers were hired as school was starting, and they're still looking for some positions. The head of the school also runs the choir. She has never held a formal education position, of course, and she is attempting to get her master's currently at Pepperdine while she runs this school and choir. She is 28. There's a basketball team called Donda Doves, and the uniforms for the school are all black Yeezy and Gap collaborations. The class sizes are apparently smaller, which I'm not a parent, but obviously that's a plus. And the connections and networking at a school that has famous parents and NBA players dropping in is unlike anything else, I am sure. I just think it's worth noting that I feel like that's how most of the schools in the LA area are, especially private ones. There's always going to be some sort of connections and networking. I don't think it's Donda specific. Even if he opens one in Milwaukee, I think the California one will have the most advantages. For what it's worth, apparently the enrollment costs $15,000 a year, which is a lot to a public school girly like me, but it is a little less than the Los Angeles average, she, she said after Googling it. Um, they are applying for accreditation. Like I said, they still do not have it, but until they get it, there's no need to send your child there since a college will not accept a Donda Academy diploma, no matter how much worship and parkour you get into. Okay, Time 100 next. Um, This is different than the Time 100 list that people like Oprah and Barack Obama are on. This is mostly just merging stars, which is a descriptor that we need to discuss because Kiki Palmer's on this list and she's been present in our lives for a very long time. So I don't really know. I'm sure it's a PR thing, you know, whatever. But um, I feel like I normally see this list and this is the list that I thought that they had like the party for and everything. The Time 100 list, I'm like, boring world leaders. What is this, CNN? Like, I'm like, give me the pop stars. Um, it's also kind of confusing because it's not just like young. It's not like there's an age cutoff because Yaya Abdul-Mateen is 36. So I have no idea what the criteria really are here, but I enjoy it nonetheless. And whichever celebrity or coworker writes the little blurb about the nominee. So... Let's go through them. Starting with artists, they divide up this list into all these different like subcategories. It's kind of confusing. Um, and it starts with artists. I'm just going to read a couple of them 
because I obviously don't know all of these people, but, um, Yaya, obviously, um, SZA, which, like, she keeps saying we're getting another album. She keeps saying she's working on the album. We have not seen a date for the album. And she's dangerously entering Normani territory. I know that time doesn't care about that, but I'm just putting it out there. Jonathan Majors, Jeanette McCurdy, which I'm still waiting on her book for the library, but I will let y'all know when I do get it. Joe Alwyn, which, like, listen... First of all, shout out to feminism because normally it's women that we only know because of their relationships. And we only know this man because of his relationship to Taylor Swift. And I love that for us. Ryan Reynolds wrote his blurb, which is interesting because he knows Joe because Joe's girlfriend and Ryan's wife are close friends, which is an interesting relationship to get someone to write a little blurb about him. But I'm not sure who his other like co-workers are or whatever. I mean, he has a great publicist, I will say, because, I, again, I don't think I've seen anything that he's in other than um, the Emma Stone, Olivia Coleman movie. Wasn't he in The Favorite? Maybe not. I don't even know. Anyway, um, Jack Harlow, Sadie Sink, which, like, why wasn't that little girl nominated for an Emmy? I'm sorry. I'll get over it one day. It's just not going to be anytime soon. Uh, Lily Collins, uh, Shudi Gatwa. Machine Gun Kelly, um, which, y'all help, his blurb was written by Avril Lavigne. I'm nervous. Uh, Taylor Tomlinson, who we love, and those are just the beginning. And then in the section called Phenoms, we start with Cindy Sweeney. Her blurb was written by her on-screen sister Maude Apatow, Ja Morant, uh, Simone Ashley, Phineas, and Maria Taylor, who, like, we love Maria Taylor. She's not exactly a breakout star of 2022, and maybe that's because I'm a dog and I've always admired her career. I don't know, but this is my confusion with the list, you see. Um, Kiki starts off the section called Innovators, so I have no idea why there's an artist section, but also Iowa Debris from The Bear, FK Twigs, La Roach, and Sam Kerr. And then, I will be honest, we get to a point in a lot of these sections where I don't recognize the names. And so, especially in Innovators, I feel like, no offense to artists or phenoms, but in Innovators... In the past, I've clicked on these people and they've been really interesting stories, right? And they're people like making like a genuine difference in the world. Um, And that intrigues me because, wow, what a life Um, to be smart enough and creative enough to like come up with something that makes a difference, like and not a la Elizabeth Holmes, like legitimate, you know? So I go to click on the first one and uh, to learn more about them and I get a paywall. I can't even deal. Disappointing. Dramatic sigh, you know? Um... I understand that I could have Googled each individual name that I did not know, but what's the point of having a blurb and a clickable link about something if I'm not able to access it without getting a a liquor ad? Um, But interesting nonetheless, a lot of names we recognize, a lot of people that I feel like are rightfully deserving and having like big moments, um, whether or not their family, you know, has twisted political views. We're looking at you, Sid. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Um, But... Yeah, I don't know. That was fun, right? Maybe. Okay, it feels like we're going out on a little bit of a limb to discuss this. Like when we talked about the Brett Favre thing a couple weeks ago, I was like, this is not the normal arena of this podcast, but there were like facts there and I knew what I was talking about and I knew that it was wrong. This situation is a little bit more of a gray area because I'm really discussing the discourse. I'm just talking about the talk, which is weird. I haven't actually seen the movie, but I want to talk about Blonde because I feel like there's been a lot of build up about it. 
whatever film festival it was at, it got like a 14-minute standing ovation. It's the first Netflix original film to have an NC-17 rating, which like truthfully I did not even know they did those anymore. I just felt like that was a thing that I heard about when I was a kid. Based on what I've read about it, though, it seems very deserving of said rating. I personally have no interest in watching it, and the discourse around it is not great. Um, In case you are not familiar, this is the Marilyn Monroe movie starring Ana de Armas that's an adaptation of the book published in 2000 by Joyce Carol Oates. Um, The book, when it was published, was not considered a biography so much as it is like a retelling of her life and a telling of like Hollywood in her like era. So it's not even really like a biography that's been made into an adaptation. So that's one thing. Two is it's directed by a man named Anthony Dominic, unless I'm pronouncing something wrong, but he's from Australia. So I feel pretty confident about where I'm putting my emphasis. Um, uh, Listen, I think it's safe to say the first mistake here is that a man chose to adopt and direct this book written by a woman about a woman. And then at one point, despite it taking over a decade to get the film made, he said that he never made any changes to the script, which I think is deranged. Can you imagine rereading something you wrote year over year over year for a decade and being like, this is perfect, no notes. (laughs) So these are the words of a madman. Anyway, I do not know much about Marilyn Monroe. I'm not an authority here. I know that, like, she's obviously an icon of culture. There are a lot of people who know a lot more about her than I do. So I'm acknowledging that here at the top. Um, But I keep seeing quotes from the director and overall reviews, like full-fledged one-and-a-half-star reviews from national publications and reviewers. And I was like, let me dig into this. Because here's the thing. If this movie is excellent... I'm going to be like, that's great. And I probably still wouldn't watch it, right? But we would not talk about it. But the movie being scandalous, we are going to talk about. So I did not enjoy what I found. (laughs) It did not convince me to get into it. But I wanted to share a little because I was reading and I learned more about Marilyn Monroe based solely on what this director has left out and the kind of interviews that he was in. Um, he says the things that he left out and the perspective that he had is because it wasn't in the book. And um, his overall perspective on Marilyn is kind of sad to me, but he clearly sees her as an incredibly unhappy person. And he keeps saying that at one point he calls her a guy's girl, which I feel like is the only perspective we've ever known of her, whether it's right or wrong. It's how she's always kind of been portrayed to all of us is this like sex symbol, whatever, all the boyfriends, all the men, the president, yada, yada. The movie apparently goes through scenes that should carry all sorts of trigger warnings, not limited to um, assaults and, you know, non-consensual sexual relationships and uh, abortion scenes in which the fetus is apparently whispering in Ana de Armas's voice. It's very creepy. It's not my kind of casual Friday night movie, you know? Like, at that point, uh, I can turn on New Girl. Thank you so much. Um, but while reading these interviews, I learned things that I didn't know, right? So, like, she founded her, Marilyn Monroe, founded her own production company. I didn't know that she fought against segregation, which was inspired by her friendship of Ella Fitzgerald. But I know these things now because there's an interviewer named Christina Newland. She spoke to the director, uh, Anthony Dominic, right? Forgot his name already. 
she spoke to the director about the film and she seemed she was like we kind of had this verbal sparring it was very respectful but she seems like someone who is very much a fan of Marilyn Monroe and she spoke about these things and brought up how you know her friends watch uh, a gentleman who prefer blondes or whatever it's called and like she was talking about her admiration for Marilyn Monroe and like the director just clearly doesn't share that which no one is saying that when directing a movie about someone you have to be obsessed with them but it's interesting his perspective on her nonetheless um it doesn't seem like these things are in the actual film though right that's not what the story is about he mentions multiple times in it multiple interviews I read multiple not just this one that it's a film about an unhappy woman it's made up of images of her life so he saw like still images and still photographs that he you know he took all of them together and he recreated the shots in the movie so some things are in black and white some are in full color the um ratio changes depending on how the the photograph was shot so I understand that there is someone somewhere who like you know has like an old-timey camera in their house or whatever and they're gonna be like obsessed with how this movie is shot and that's great I don't think it tells like the story of Marilyn Monroe I think we're learning a direct quote he said to this woman, Christina, when talking about the film was, quote, I'm not interested in reality. I'm interested in images. I'm not sure what that means in terms of the integrity of a storyteller of someone's life. He speaks a lot about it being a bank of childhood trauma, which is obviously not all Marilyn Monroe or anyone is. I think the consensus from what I've read is that Ana de Armas is great. She does a fantastic job. It's not about her performance or anyone else's. It's ultimately about the script and the overall delivery of a deceased woman's story. And at the end of the day, like there are going to be people who are obsessed with movies, like I said, who are going to love this. So it's ultimately not going to matter that someone like me who's like, I enjoy Do Revenge very much on Netflix, (laughs) thinks that it's a little meh, right? Again, have not seen it. Just not super comfortable with its premise. And I had to tell you guys. I guess my first question is, are wife guys the worst? And just to be clear, I'm saying wife guys, W-I-F-E. I I just want to make sure that I'm enunciating this properly. I don't know if my question is, are wife guys the worst? Are you a wife guy? Do you know a wife guy? Are you married to a wife guy? Listen, we just got to get into it. And I hope that I don't offend anyone. But like, I've never been super worried about on this podcast. You know, I've never been like, "Uh oh, (laughs) this is the one that's going to do it. Adam Levine, Ned Fulmer, it all started with John Mulaney, but let's get into the Ned Fulmer Try Guys drama because it's fascinating. The Adam Levine one was weird. I think we can all assume it's weird. There's always, like, TikTok sometimes just crosses a boundary, and I think this was an interesting one because she was just recording screenshots of DMs, and it's like, not that I have celebrities in my DMs, but is this going to stop them, you know, if they consider it? It's going to stop them because they're going to think I'm going to make a TikTok and try and get famous. Um, but the Adam Levine thing was weird because he was definitely flirting with a lot of women via DMs, which like flirting might be an over-exaggeration if you've seen his DMs. (laughs) It might be, he was communicating with a lot of women with a lot of expletives and that's, that's what he was doing. Um, and it was creepy, let's be honest, but it was deranged that he actually allegedly messaged this woman named Sumner asking if he could name his third child after her. 
he wanted to name his child or was suggesting to name his child after the woman that he had been having an affair with, psychopath behavior, unhinged, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go home to your family, Adam, to your wife, to your children, and now Maroon 5's doing a Las Vegas residency? Okay, sure. I'm sure that's going to work out super well and he's going to be super faithful the whole time. None of my business. Does that matter? Maybe they have an open relationship. What do I know? I was going to dive right into the Try Guys, but it does seem like I had a little bit more to say there. These men are useless. Straight women, if your husband's only personality trait is you, leave. I'm really sorry that I have to be the one to tell you this. If his Instagram bio says wife two and then he ats you and that's it, leave him now. He's going to cheat on you. It's just the way the world works. That's how the math ends up mathing. He's overcompensating. John Mulaney's comedy was based on loving his wife and look where he is now. With a child with another woman, in case you didn't know. That's where he is. Ned Fulmer apparently was obsessed with his wife to the point where there's a YouTube video that's just a compilation of him saying my wife for over a minute. Um, I don't know a lot about these Try Guys, but I do try to enjoy the drama, so I dug in. Um, If you're not already familiar, these are four men who met working at BuzzFeed, and they are YouTube comedy stars, she said questionably, but they make their money by being silly, goofy dudes, and you guessed it, trying things. Um, All of the BuzzFeed former employees were tweeting. They were all, a lot of them were saying, not surprised, oop. Uh, A lot of them were saying that their group texts were re-emerging from years prior, um, this is Quinta's era of BuzzFeed, which I love because she was like, all I know is that Abbott is premiering a new episode tonight. But people were um, tweeting quite a bit. And I love that for them because I want a BuzzFeed true crime doc because it seems like they all went through a lot working there when we were all taking those quizzes. Anyway, so it would appear that one of them has tried adultery. Not my joke. It's all over the Internet, but it's still funny. The disbanding of the group comes hours after a Reddit thread of photos of Ned spending time with, holding hands with, and making out with a colleague. So not just cheating on his wife, but with someone that, like, they actively worked with. Apparently, at some point, this man was allegedly HR for their company. Harrowing news. Very hard to hear. He went to Yale. I'm just putting that out there. (laughs) For no reason other than just saying. Uh, The woman he was kissing worked for food babies? I feel very old. I don't know what that is, but I I think it's part of the Try Guys company or something. Like, she was employed by them. All I know about this woman named Alex is that she was, which, like, I know that you're like, do we have to bring her into it? Uh, Yes, we do. And also, it's not like the Boston Celtics head coach situation where we're just aimlessly pointing at an organization saying he he slept with one of these women. We know exactly which woman it was. So we are going to explicitly say who it was as to not create any sort of stress or um, problems for other women in their company. We also are going to talk about who it was because this woman named Alex was with a man for 10 years and they just got engaged. They'd been engaged for a year and they were together for 11 years total. Y'all, she did not want to marry him. You cannot tell me that a grown woman was with a man for 10 years they just got engaged and then she immediately she did not want to marry him so now there are rumors that alex the food baby i don't know what else to call her and ned the try guy i mean how do these people take themselves seriously well 
that you know what I know how they take themselves seriously they look at their bank account and they're just fine with whatever we call them I think but they there are rumors that they were in a relationship for over a year so there is a world conceivably where this woman got engaged to another man and then began a relationship with her colleague slash kind of sort of boss ish I don't know So the rumors are that the other Try Guys, I don't know what I'm doing, found out earlier this month and were attempting to handle it internally by editing Ned out of some of their videos and removing him from their intro. All I think about is Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. Um, Do Not Cheat on Your Wife is in there. Um, So that's what it seemed like is that they were trying to kind of mitigate it before it got out into the public eye and then this well-known on the internet married man was at a harry styles concert with a colleague who was engaged to another man and just were just hanging out and then they were at some bar in the east village and people just saw them making out and were like yeah 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 they're just making like they're not trying to hide it they're not trying to be private absolutely not ned and his wife did at some point her name is ario ario I don't know. I feel like if I say that in front of the wrong people right now, they're just going to start screaming about how mermaids aren't black. So I don't know. But um, they co-authored a cookbook called Date Night Cookbook, which is just, I don't know. It's hard. Um, So I'm going to read the statements from the affected parties and the offender because they're wild and uh, we just got to get into it. So the group, the Try Guys account, posts, quote, Ned Fulmer is no longer working with the Try Guys as a result of a thorough internal review. We do not see a path forward together. We thank you for your support as we navigate this change. And they have canceled. They also do a podcast, obviously. I mean, like, who am I to judge? You know, but of course. And they have taken the week off, relatable, um, but for different reasons to like organize their thoughts or something that they said I don't know am I going to listen to this next week yes should we all listen to it next week since there's not going to be a new episode of let's catch up absolutely I do believe it's called the tripod I didn't I'm not a part of that and it also seems like guys the wives have their like own separate like the women that are married to the tri guys have like an account and a vibe called the tri wives and so it seems like there's just like a lot going on here okay so then Ned posts on his accounts Quote, family should have always been my priority, but I lost focus and had a consensual workplace relationship. I'm sorry for any pain that my actions may have caused to the guys and the fans, but most of all to Ariel. The only thing that matters right now is my marriage and my children. Did I mention they have two small children? And that's where I'm going to focus my attention. Now, this statement is very nice of him to apologize. It is wild that he came right out of the gate and was like, yeah, I did. Yeah, I cheated. (laughs) He was like, yeah, I cheated. But what you're going to know is that there was no power imbalance. It's like, I highly doubt that. But okay. And then the wife, Ariel, posts a statement. And she says, and these are all white background, black text statements. Every single one of them. Like, they probably made them in the same program. (laughs) Um, She says, quote, thanks to everyone who has reached out to me. It means a lot. Nothing is more important to me and Ned than our family. And all we request right now is that you respect our privacy for the sake of our kids. It's giving vibes that they're going to work it out, which like it's none of my business. If that's what they want to do, go for it. The craziest part of all of this, other than the part where he explicitly says he had a consensual workplace relationship, is that he left the comments on his post. Brave. Brave. Try not doing that guy. I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of jokes here, but the try adultery was a pretty good one. 
try getting canceled, I think was another one, which that was funny. Okay, what are we watching? What are we listening to? What are we paying attention to? I think it's the resurgence of rom-coms. I'm saying it now. I'm putting it out into the universe. I don't know if this is a prediction or a wish. I'm not sure, but I'm going to put it out there. I think we've started to see inklings. I think we started to get close. There's obviously the Netflix rom-com that keeps happening, and then the holiday season, we will get an influx of you know, busy women from the big city coming to a small town and meeting a baker or um, a lumberjack or someone who she will fall in love with, which, you know, honestly, putting that out into the universe for me, I would love to marry a man who owns a bakery if anyone knows one. Anyway, the resurgence of rom-coms. I really do think it's a thing. I think George Clooney and Julie Roberts in this new movie, Ticket to Paradise, I think this is going to be our moment, right? It's got Caitlin Deaver. It's got Billy Lord. It seems very standard rom-commy. They are a divorced couple coming together to convince their daughter not to get impulsively married like they did. Um, it looks cute. It looks standard. You know, I'm sure they'll realize that they've loved each other at the end. There's a lot of sparring, a lot of banter. We love it. Um, the J-Lo Owen Wilson of Marry Me, I didn't watch it, but you know, it was there. Bros from Billy Eichner coming out. We're getting like a rom-com, you know, it doesn't have to look like it always did. It doesn't have to just be two straight white people. Interesting. Okay, I'm listening. We know J-Lo has another rom-com coming out next year. I think it was originally supposed to come out this year, but it's been pushed to next year called Shotgun Wedding. And guys, this is really the thing that I think is going to take the cake. The writers of Legally Blonde, The House Bunny, She's the Man, and Ella Enchanted. First of all, did y'all know that the same women wrote all of those films? I did not. Very exciting to find out. They are set to write a rom-com for Amazon Prime Video called I Do Not. I do dot 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 not. Whatever. I don't care about the title. I care about the content. I care about these women. Their names are Karen McCullough and Kristen Smith. Kristen goes by Kiwi. That's none of my business. I'm very excited for the two of them to be back pen to paper they are doing legally blonde three i think anyway but this is exciting i'm hopeful that they are going to usher us back into the iconic rom-com era of the past not just the holiday season like i said not just these random movies out of nowhere full-fledged romantic comedies call kate hudson call matthew mcconaughey keep him from running from office uh call katherine heigl call josh dumel let's get some new up-and-comers get glenn powell and zoe deutsch back together let's get some people of color in there we can do this gang 2023 this is our year Okay, I just want to briefly touch on Don't Worry Darling because I did go see it and I just feel like there's so much invested in it with all of the drama, everything going on. It's like, is this worth going to see? Now, I'm going to start by saying we all know I'm not a movie girl. This is something we've discussed plenty. I've been in an interesting place recently where the bag of popcorn has been incredibly compelling so don't worry, darling, was an opportunity for me to get a nice little buttery dinner. And that's what I did. It is not a bad film. I think we should start there. It's not bad. It is not going to win an Oscar. No one in it is going to win an Oscar. The other thing I want to note about it is that the script that Olivia Wilde ended up directing is not the original script for Don't Worry, Darling. The original script was on the blacklist. Olivia Wilde and her production company or whoever bought it, changed it some, and that is the movie with Florence Pugh, Chris Pine, Harry Styles that we now see. 
There are some differences between those two, and I think it would have been interesting to see the original adaptation with the original screenwriters a part of it and not whoever the woman was that Olivia hired. I think that there's a very weird, like, feminism angle that Olivia Wilde's trying to play with it. After watching the movie, that is shocking. (laughs) Like, truly shocking. I don't, like, get super into thrillers. It's not, like, my preferred genre or anything. So I did not see the twist coming. I was genuinely quite surprised by it. But, and I'm not going to dig too much into it because I don't want any spoilers. But, and I've seen these reviews in other places that a lot of people felt like the third act was not fully flushed out. So once you have the twist, it doesn't feel like you get as much from it as you probably could or should And there's just like a lot of other things. There's a lot of Olivia Wilde. There's not a lot of Kiki Lane. And there's not a lot of the guy who plays her husband, Ari, whose last name I honestly forget. But they both posted on Instagram about how like they were cut from the movie, which again, when you if and when you see the movie, it's shocking to find out that they were cut significantly, especially Kiki Lane, um, that they were cut significantly from the movie. But they're like, we got each other. So it's fine. Um but that's not great. Not a lot of Gemma Chan, but when you do get Gemma Chan, her face fills up the screen because they're like, she has better bone structure than all of you and you're going to know it. That's great. I would watch any Chris Pine, Florence Pugh joint from here on out. Like the scenes that they had together were so compelling, like hold your breath kind of stuff. And Harry Styles is genuinely fine in it. Like he's not, there are some moments and I was filled, I was in a theater filled with girlies that were giggling at him, which like they were giggling when he didn't look as cute as they were used to. They were giggling when he was like acting really hard or whatever. It was just not always worth it at the end of the day. It definitely created some levity. Like no one was leaving like Oscars, Oscars, but like there's something very strange about going to a theater full of like fangirls for the least experienced actor in the film, you know? Um, Like, I just feel like the way that this cast has been billed, like you would think that Gemma Chan, you would think that Nick Kroll would be like a huge part of the film. And they're just not really because it's a huge cast and not everyone can be a huge part of a thriller. When Florence Pugh's like trying to figure out all this stuff going on, it's like, a lot of her by herself and because she's so talented she does a great job but like I don't know I think that would I have gone to see it without all of the drama no right like I think we can safely say like I had very little interest in the film before all the drama I did not understand the plot before during or after the movie I'm just kidding I get it now but like barely um so like if you're not super interested in it I'm not going to tell you you should go see it. I think if you're just as interested as I was with like the drama, it does kind of scratch an itch. Like it feels like closure. Like it felt like I got out of it in perfect timing to like be released in time to dive right into this try guy drama, which is another group of people that I'm not super emotionally invested in, but I have done a lot of digging because when these people give us drama, we must dive deeper. Okay, this is the other thing that we're watching, what we're paying attention to. It is returning television. Now, I know you're like, Megan, sometimes you do these listen and see like a cop-out. I promise you it is not. Obviously, when we do new series launches, it's like very much things that we're going to keep an eye out for. But 
you know, your friendly reminder that we have some old beloveds that are coming back into our lives, primarily Dairy Girls coming back on October 7th. Maybe I just am doing this whole section about that. I don't know. Ghost is back on CBS September 29th. Let's discuss how that show looks bad, but is great laundry TV. Genuinely love it. Based on a British show originally, it's very good. Um, oh wait, I snuck this one in here, but this is completely new. Am I okay? I'm going to tell you guys about it anyway. October 6th, A Friend of the Family comes out. Oh, I literally wrote down, A Friend of a Family comes out on Peacock, which is why Jake Lacey was being shoved down our throats at the Emmys. He stars as the creepy guy we all learned about and abducted in plain sight. Okay. I don't know how I just dropped that into all of these existing shows, but I did. But it, it does sound very creepy, and I think we should just give it a chance. Um, Bachelor in Paradise is back if that's your kind of thing. And it is unfortunately mine. This week, a woman got into it with another woman. And during her interview, she yelled, what's going on? You're a physician, which is amazing because the other woman was acting crazy and she's a practicing medical professional. Frightening. Celebrity Jeopardy and Celebrity Wheel of Fortune. I might peek into those. That's why I'm just putting them out there. Y'all know I love nothing more than watching celebrities interact with each other. And it's why I eat up the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable and Actors on Actors. I just love to watch celebrities who don't normally interact. I don't know. I just feel like Snoop Dogg on Celebrity Wheel of Fortune is probably good TV. Uh, Shonda shows are back. So were the FBI's, the Law and Orders, and the Chicago's. Dick Wolf's checks are clearing, as usual. Um, next week is when we'll start to get some of the new shows we previously discussed. The hardest part of these shows is how old school they are. This is going to sound very, um, I don't know, maybe youthful of me, but they're not bingeable, right? So like these shows come back or these new shows come out. And if you do get hooked and you do like them, you can't binge it, right? You legitimately have to wait until the next week for the next episode, which is unlike our Netflix, like HBO Max, whatever existence, um, which is what Great British Bake Off is doing to me because it is back in England, in the UK, but it's just coming out once a week on Netflix and it's brutal. Still wonderful, still attached. Let me know who your favorites are because I already have some, obviously. Amber Ruffin's show is back. Housewives are coming back. Salt Lake City, Potomac. I think those are the only two that are coming back. Beverly Hills, we know, has been going on. I haven't watched Salt Lake City yet. I'm getting on it, I promise. Winter House is coming back, and it honestly looks scary. That's really not my vibe, but I just want to put it out there for those of you who it is. I watched a couple seasons of Summer House, and then I got very depressed that I, like, interact. Not interact, but, like, live in the same world as those people, you know? Um, Later in the month, we're getting more Love is Blind. I can't believe it either, honestly, because I keep getting TikToks about how they're producing more seasons, but there's a third season premiering in a couple of weeks. Um, have y'all watched that show, Dated and Related, speaking of Netflix dating shows? Like, are we okay? I know the Relateds aren't dating, but you would have to pry my fingernails off one by one before I made out with a guy and then turned around and told my brother about it. I know, girls, I know you're, you and your sisters are different. Congrats on that. You can all go on this show. The, the it just it's just dark like I just feel like there has to be something better out there I don't know the White Lotus season two is coming back in October as well um new cast except Jennifer Coolidge 
new season of One of Us is Lying, which I honestly didn't know was getting more episodes. If you watched it, I would love to know if you thought it was sufficiently solved or if the episodes were worth it. I thought it was going to be a limited series situation since it's based on a book like Big Little Lies and that other one that Tell Me Lies. They're all called the same thing and I can't keep them straight. They're all just like white people being sketchy and spooky and falling in love. And I'm like, is it a limited series? Is it just an eight episode series one and they are expecting a season two? I can't tell. Big Little Lies was meant to be a limited series and then Meryl Streep showed up. But anyway, there's plenty to entertain us as the autumnal chill settles in. So that's exciting. Oh, friends, what a week. Thanks for making it this far. Um, Got to start out by saying apparently Trevor Noah and Dua Lipa were seen out this week. Someone said they saw them kissing. I just don't know if they actually did or someone's just saying that, but there are definitely photographs of them walking and then hugging and walking away from each other. Gotta tell you, completely checks out. She looks like all of his exes and honestly, he kind of looks like The weekend. So I feel like they are exactly each other's types. The hardest thing to accept about Trevor Noah is that he is a 38-year-old man who you think is very emotionally intelligent and then he does date a woman 10 years younger than him and i understand dua lipa's around my age but still hard pill to swallow anyway i watched hayden pantier's red table talk and despite kelly osborne filling in for willow and being annoying it was an interesting watch she's someone i've been a fan of forever remember the titans is my favorite movie I knew a little bit about her addiction and the custody issues with her daughter, but mostly from like People Magazine covers and E! News Instagram captions. So it was really compelling to hear it from her. Um, And I need to watch Janet McCurdy's. I still haven't done that. But you know I love a red table talk because Gammy will get down to it. And I appreciate that. I also watched Welcome to Wrexham. I know that I did not talk about this during like my TV section, but um, it's basically just a real life Ted Lasso. And I also watched Reboot on Hulu. For what it's worth, if you are a Hulu girl, Welcome to Wrexham is interesting. If you want like hard knocks, but in Wales, and you appreciate Ryan Reynolds' sense of humor, and Reboot is truly just fine. If you're a huge Rachel Bloom fan, if you're a huge Keegan-Michael Key fan, if you're a huge Judy Greer fan, Reboot is for you. If you are none of those things, it's just fine. Okay. Happy October. It's almost 2023. Where did this year go? Oh, it's fine. We've just been catching up. Bye.